Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, July 14th, 2023. I'm Mike Achapoli. All right, we've made it to Friday once again. We always seem to make it here. It's good when you consistently make it to Friday. You know you're still alive. Um, so here we are, another TGIF show. I always wish we can come on on Friday. I know how I end the Friday show, every Friday show, with film reviews. But I wish we could do like a light show every Friday. But we can't because there's not enough light. If there's something light you want to talk about, you can talk about it any time. But especially on a Friday, I'd welcome like light news, fun tidbits. But it seems as though whenever I'm preparing for the show on Friday and I look for these light tidbits, I can't find them. I can't find them. It's just really tough. I have to really scour the internet to find things that are that are light and fun. And then I think, well, it's such a small story. No one's really want to talk about it. And then, you know, there are major events that happen on Fridays, especially now with the political campaign really getting into full swing. The first debate is a little over a month away. I think it's August 23rd on Fox. So, you know, today was a big forum. Tucker Carlson, I believe, was in Iowa, held a, held a big forum where he had most of the Republican candidates. Donald Trump decided not to show up because his ego is so huge, he feels he doesn't have to do anything. This is This is the guy that criticized Hillary, like, you know, for not doing much. And Biden for hiding. He called him hiding Biden. And now he's hiding, but it's okay when, when Donald Trump hides. No one else can hide, but if he hides, there's a reason for it. So the ego of Donald Trump, the ego of this man is just, uh, I've never seen an ego so big. I really haven't. And that same ego that kind of like surprised people in 2016 and maybe helped propel him to the presidency in 2016 is going to kill him next year. Donald Trump's ego will be the end of him uh, because he's just not participating in anything, feeling he doesn't have to. You know, it's one thing where you're down the stretch. You're like a few weeks away from the election and you've been campaigning for a year and a half really hard. Then you're like, OK, look, um, all the signs point to me needing to play it safe from this point. I don't need to do anything crazy. I'm going to win. Okay. But look, even when Hillary did that, right in 2016, she thought in October of 2016, she thought she didn't have to go to Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania anymore, that she had those states in the bag. And of course she didn't. So you really need to, if you can do this president thing, if you really want to be president, you got to go full out, man. You got to really campaign hard for about a year and a half. And this, I think, proves my point. Yes, we all know Trump has a huge ego. That's not a shock. I don't shock anyone when I say that. But I think this proves my point that Trump really doesn't want to be president. He wants to win the primary, and he feels he's got that in the bag. So why bother working? Um, but he doesn't really want to be president again. He knows he can't win a general election. Trump knows his cult is too dumb to understand that he can't win a general election, that he can't. Independents didn't vote for this guy when he wasn't indicted. They're not going to vote for him when he is indicted and maybe even possibly by that point convicted. So he knows he can't win, but he wants to be able to raise money for his defense fund 
as long as he can so he doesn't have to go into his own money because he's so fucking cheap. So remember, he's using campaign funds that he's raising for his defense to keep his ass out of jail. So he knows if he can take this till November of 2024, he'll raise the maximum amount that he can. So that's what he's doing. Donald Trump knows he's not going to be president again. He doesn't want to be president again, but he wants to raise as much money as he can between now and then. And he knows that if he loses the primary, that money is then cut off early, right? So he wants to take this to November of next year, and he believes he's got it in the bag as far as the primary goes. So we'll see if that ego is the end of him. We'll see if he's overplaying his hand. I think he's way overplaying his hand, way too early. I still think he's going to participate in the debates because an ego like his, even if he believes because his ego is so huge that at one point he believes he's got it in the bag, he doesn't have to do anything. I don't think he can stand sitting there. You know he's going to watch. Sitting there for two hours and watching all these people, especially fat Chris Christie, go after him and he can't respond. He's not going to be able. He's going to be screaming at the television set. So I think he'd rather be there insulting Ron DeSantis and insulting Chris Christie. So I still say he will be in that debate. Um, let's see if I'm right. Um, of course, the media hopes so because it's always more entertaining when he is there. Right. So they certainly hope it's less informative when he's there, but it's more entertaining. But the media doesn't care about informative. They care about entertaining to get ratings. And the ratings will be higher if Trump participates. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But there was this big forum that Tucker Carlson held. And uh, I've been reading the reports and all reports are that the two people that did the best were Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy and that uh, Trump was a big loser. He didn't show up. And Pence was horrible, I hear. Um, I'll play some clips of Ron DeSantis. I, I don't know if I've ever, I've talked about Vivek when he first got in. And my problem with Vivek is not that I disagree with him on issues, except for his Trump ass kissing, because he wants to be v on the VP on the ticket, I guess. But um, it's, uh, he's right about everything he talks about. He's not wrong. It's the way he, it's his, it's not his, it's not his substance that bothers me. It's his style. I find his fast-talking, snake-oil salesman type of pitch to be unnerving. He talks too well, which is why he does well. I think Bill Mitchell on Twitter pointed this out. He does well on Twitter because he's a Twitter kind of candidate. He talks in, in really good, pointed sound bites, and he talks really fast, and he talks really, you know, uh, 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 like, a, like someone trying to sell an item to you, He's trying to sell himself, I guess, to you. But uh, that kind of fast-talking um, pitch kind of bothers me. It really does. It makes me nervous. And uh, I don't think as much uh, – while he's right on the issues, I don't think he'd be able to handle the U.S. government having never been in a position in the U.S. government. I don't think – you know, I don't think that would work out too well. I don't think he has the experience or the resume to be president of the United States at this point. So Vivek did well because he speaks well. Vivek is always going to do well. When someone is a good talker, they always do well in forums. And I guarantee you, he will do really well in the debate um, because he knows how to talk in very, in very crisp sound bites. 
Um, and uh, Ron DeSantis uh, kicked ass. Everyone says Ron DeSantis totally kicked ass. So I'll play some clips and you can decide for yourself if Ron DeSantis kicked ass. Um, but uh, that's I think that's going to be the crux of the show today because there's a lot of clips to play. Um, but I also want to talk about a couple of other things. All right. Um, we now have emails, emails from Fauci. The Daily Caller wrote this yesterday. Emails shows Fauci privately acknowledged gain of function research at the Wuhan labs. And we have these emails now. Look, this is no surprise. He lied. He lied in front of Congress, which means he should be put in jail. Another reason why he should be put in jail. He lied under oath. He should be in jail. You go to jail when you do those kinds of things. So we have emails that show he knew there was a gain of function going on, yet he lied and said there was never any gain of function going on. So we'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about that as well. So hold on. I have to get my other phone, which has Twitter so I can play. Very high tech, very high tech. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let's see. Okay, let's go to um, run. Okay, we can find the tweets. Okay, here we go. So this will be like a rundown of uh, of all the tweets today, of all the little clips of Ron DeSantis. Um, there's also an article I'm going to read a little bit about, and this is about uh, DeSantis's campaign. And the title is Built on Muscle, the DeSantis campaign's playbook to beat Trump and shock the haters. Despite Trump's lead in some polls, the Florida governor's campaign says his organization and messaging will carry the day. So what they're basically saying, and I'll read more about this, is that they're building a campaign that's built for the long haul, the marathon, not the sprint. Remember, this is not a sprint here. When you run for political office in this country, it's not a sprint. In other countries, you got like 30 days as a sprint. Here, it's a marathon. But people seem to always forget that, right? It's a marathon. It's a long haul. And it's who can outlast the others. But let's take a Oh, by the way, there's also that writer's strike going on. This is a big deal. I don't know if I'm going to have films to review in the, in, the, in the future. Several months from now, there probably won't be any films being released. They may have to re-release old films because of this writer's strike. Um, and it's going to be tough because it's a real, you know, we talk about, yes, Hollywood took a huge hit, but they're also doing what a lot of people, especially people on the left have done, which is they blame COVID for everything. Oh, with COVID, we've taken a hit. Can't afford to pay anyone anymore. That's nonsense because these CEOs are getting huge salaries. I mean, these CEOs at the movie companies are getting, are getting hundreds of millions of dollars in pay. So they have them. They have the money to pay actors and writers. So it's always bullshit when the management says they don't have the money, especially when you're talking about companies, they have the money. So that's going on right now. And it's really, it's getting, t it's getting pretty tough now. It looks like this might not be settled anytime soon. Uh, so hopefully it is though, because I want to be able to have films to review. Um, and think of all the TV shows that aren't going to be able to air anymore. So, okay, let's see what's going on here with this Twitter feed. All right, here we go. Now we're back. Do you ever go on Twitter, uh, especially on the app, and every once in a while it'll say, you haven't tweeted anything yet? It says, no tweets, start tweeting, as though you just joined Twitter today. And then you'll, like, refresh it and close the app and open. And then everything will come back again. What's going on, Elon? What are you doing? 
what are you doing, Elon? You're really annoying me. Okay, this is DeSantis. Uh, once again, this is at a forum that was held by uh, Tucker Carlson today. And this is Ron DeSantis talking about Putin and the Iraq war, uh, the, uh, the Iraq war, listen to me, who am I, Biden? The Ukrainian war. And how dissenting from the failed D.C. foreign policy establishment doesn't mean that you're that you're pro-Putin, okay? That you're a that you're a Putin apologist. In Iraq during the Iraq campaign in Fallujah, I was attached to U.S. Navy SEAL Team One, and remember, it started on what WMD. Then we had Al Qaeda in Iraq. Then it was created democracy. Then it was that. And so the lesson that I learned from there is if you're going to commit to do military, whether it's aid or whether it's troops, uh, you need to have a concrete idea of what you're trying to achieve. And so from the time I got out of the sandbox and landed back in the United States 15 years ago until the present, I've always felt that. And so my critique of the D.C. foreign policy elite is that they are doing a blank check policy without telling us when we will have achieved our objective. And I believe that today, and I believe that then. Now, because you dissent from the D.C. foreign policy elite, they then try to smear you and say, oh, you must be for Putin. I've always thought Putin's a bad guy. I still think he's a bad guy. But that's a separate question for a leader who's got to look at the world in very clear-eyed glasses. You know that it's not all peaches and cream out there. And you have to make a judgment about what's in America's national interest. And so that's the position that I believe. And I also believe that I wish the D.C. elites cared as much about our border as they do about the Ukraine-Russia border. Because there's people pouring into this country. We have people dying from fentanyl overdose. The cartels are running the show. And what I've said is this is something on day one. Declare a national emergency. Mobilize all resources, including the military. Stop the invasion. Yes, build the wall. But most importantly, authorize the Border Patrol. Authorize our military to deal with the cartels. If they're breaking into our country, bringing product, if I'm in charge, that's going to be the last thing they do because they're going to end up stone cold dead. I served. Okay, so that's DeSantis on a little bit on the border and, of course, the Ukraine Ukraine war, which he has also said recently, we need to force peace negotiations and this constant feeding of the war machine, money, uh, illegal weapons, munitions is just going to feed it. It's going to keep it going. It's not doing anything to end the war. And Biden has no strategy to end the war. What's his exit strategy? There is none. He's never defined one. Biden's, if I can add, Biden's exit strategy is is moronic. It's Ukraine wins the war. Ukraine's not going to win the fucking war. We all know that. And we know that, too, from the, all that. Uh, the, remember the illegal documents, that kid. What happened to that 20-year-old kid where he got all these documents and all this information that he wasn't supposed to have? And part of it was that we know Ukraine's losing the war. Where'd that go? Where'd that story go that we now know Ukraine's losing the war, yet they're pretending they can win the war? So Biden's exit strategy is idiotic that uh, Ukraine wins the war. That's the end. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, right. We're going to win the Vietnam War. Okay, so let's see. Let's see. Okay, so this is also uh, an example of how clearly the DeSantis is able to break issues down 
and exactly he we can address an issue. So this is about um, the central bank. Tucker asked him, are you concerned about central bank digital currencies? And so he if I can cue this up and I will, he answered this question, I thought, pretty well also. Concerned are you that in the wake of whatever the next economic disruption that we're going to face is, and everyone kind of feels like maybe there's something coming, um, that will wind up with digital currency issued by the central bank? Well, if I am the president on day one, we will nix central bank digital currency. Done, dead, not happening in this country, in the state of Florida, because the Fed has been talking about this. Oh, yeah. And what the Fed was, well, you know, we wouldn't do it without consulting the legislative and executive branches. Ideally, we would get a law passed. No, 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 no. That's not how the Constitution says. It's only ideal that you get a law passed. You would have to get a law passed. I don't think Congress would pass that. So I think the Fed may try to do something unilaterally. So what we did in Florida is we basically passed a law that says we do not recognize CBDC in the state of Florida. And I think other states are probably going to follow suit. That will jam their ability to do it through executive action. They don't have authority to do it. There'd be lawsuits and everything. For those who don't know what CBDC is, what they want to do, and this is tied in with like Davos, World Economic Forum, all these people. They want the Fed, they want to get rid of cash. They want no cryptocurrency, and they want this to be the sole form of legal tender. And they have said this publicly at like Davos and these other places. It will allow them to prohibit, quote, undesirable purchases like fuel and ammunition. And so the minute you give them the power to do this, they are going to impose a social credit system on this country. CBDC is a massive threat to American liberty. On January 20th, 2025, it goes to the ash heap of history in this country. So if you if you were to become president and previous presidents have discovered this. OK, so that's, a, you know, once we don't talk about that much. I'm not an, I'm not an economic expert, but I but I do. I'm very afraid of digital currency. I'm, I think I've talked about this before, too, where I'm just afraid of all these, which is basically illegal. You know, you read the back, you read the front, sorry, the front of a bill currency. And it says this bill is legal tender. For all debts, public and private, and you have more and more places now that are saying, oh, we're not going to take cash. In fact, most um, major league ballparks and arenas, uh, sporting events, uh, concerts, they're not taking money, cash anymore. And this all started during COVID. This is, this is not even thought about before COVID, right? So, and remember, during COVID, they didn't, they, they said they didn't want to touch the currency because they were afraid they were going to die from touching the currency this is one of the many things that like a very like kind of like medieval neanderthal like 15th century medicine that if you touch a bill you're going to die from it that's what people thought right so they didn't want to take currency but now that's extended to oh it's just uh we don't want to take it it's annoying it's annoying we'd rather have you swipe your card and that's illegal no one's talked about how that's illegal you must take cash you can also take cards you can decide to not take cards we've seen places in the past small restaurants not taking cards because they have to pay a, a fee on that, which is fine. So you can say cash only, but you can't say cards only. And so we have to stop this bullshit of just digital currency. And also these places and more and more places are getting away with it. Major events, major sporting arenas, major concert halls are getting away with not taking cash. 
and it's illegal. It's 100% illegal. And we need to stop this. So I'm, I'm a little nervous about that trend now as well. Uh, I'm going to play one more clip and then we'll take some calls and maybe go back to more clips. Um, this is kind of like uh, Ron DeSantis talking about uh, the, uh, I think this is about the deep state. I think that's where we are with this one. I think, yeah, let's see. I'll cue it up and we'll see what we got here. That's going to happen. So I think a couple things. One, there are thousands of positions in the executive branch that are appointed by the president. You've got to have all those people ready to go to be submitted to the Senate in January of 2025. You can't wait two years to fill all the positions because then these career bureaucrats, they just take over. So you've got to have your people in there on day one. You also have, a, have to have certain character of people. Like if you're the attorney general, everything you do to deal with the DOJ and the weaponization of government, deal with the FBI... The press is going to rake you over the coals. The left is going to rake you over the coals. The Democrats, they're all going to rake you over the coals. You either are down for that or you're not. And if you can't handle that, if you don't have the backbone to do that, you will fail at that job. So you need people, and I look at different folks in, in government, like on the Supreme Court, I would look to Clarence Thomas as the example, because he doesn't budge. He doesn't care what the media says about him. They've smeared him six ways from Sunday. He does what he thinks is right. So you got to have those people. And then you have levers that you can pull. I believe Article 2 of the Constitution means the president has the executive authority. We just say these bureaucrats somehow can't be held accountable. I disagree with that. Uh, I think you can fire them. If we have an FBI agent going to uh, harass a pro-life activist like they did Mark Houck and send a SWAT team, I'd fire them immediately. When you have FBI colluding with big tech to censor dissent, I would fire those people. Had I been president 2020, Anthony Fauci would have been fired. And you've got to be willing to do it. Uh, that's a he ends with talking about firing Tony Fauci. And that, of course, is a not so subtle uh, shot at uh, at Trump. Right. Trump hiring Fauci, putting him front and center, doing what Trump does so often, hiring the wrong people, hiring the wrong people and uh, eventually usually firing them or they quit. In this case, of course, Fauci was such a darling of the media especially once we knew that he wasn't that he was an idiot and wasn't getting along with with uh, with Donald Trump and that a lot of uh, Republican governors were not listening anymore to what he was saying. Um, he became a darling of the media and Trump was afraid to fire him. And Trump pretty much said, I, I can't fire him because I'll take a big media hit. Now, what Trump was saying, this guy is so popular, I'm afraid to fire him. Now, what kind of a real leader, tough guy, alpha president does that? which Trump claimed he was every step of the way, right? And that's what Ron DeSantis is saying. You have to be the, – the executive, the president, can fire people if they're not doing the job. If they're not doing their job the right way, if the president – they serve. They serve the president, right? Um, and if they're not doing the job the right way, you fire them. You have to have the balls to fire them, which, of course, Trump didn't with, with Tony Fauci. And uh, I, I think that this is something that DeSantis has hammered and he'll hammer more in the in the in the debates when more people are watching.
which is that there, once again, the Trump cult, it doesn't really matter what the Trump cult, it doesn't. None of this great stuff that Ron DeSantis is saying is going to matter with the Trump cult. Um, I don't think you're going to peel away that 20%, 25% of the Republican base. I think you're not going to peel away many of those voters. Um, he'll get them after he wins the primary. They're not going to vote for Joe Biden. But to get them to, 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 to leave Trump, it's not going to happen. So you're playing to the other, let's say, three quarters of the Republican you know, electorate. And you're saying, look, it's important to understand you all love what I did in Florida. You all people moved to Florida because it was the free state of Florida. They got away from the prison states of California, the authoritarian states of New York, and they moved to Florida. But you have to understand that a big reason why these Democrats were able to do what they did was because of Trump, because Trump started the ball rolling. Remember, this all started at the federal level, right? He brought in Fauci and he brought in Burks and he brought in all these people who were total losers. They were all losers. They were wrong about everything. Then he didn't fire them. He let them continue to do the destruction. On top of that, on top of that, uh, Operation Warp Speed was so if you're a Republican and you hate Fauci, which almost every Republican, including the Trump cult, does. And if you hate the vaccine, which most Republicans and especially the Trump cult hate the vaccine, you cannot separate Trump from those two things. You can't separate Trump from those two things. So for the Republicans who are not in the cult, who are willing to listen to reason, you cannot separate those things. Okay, if you hate Fauci and the vaccine, if you think Fauci was wrong and the vaccine was bad, you have to blame Donald Trump for both. Donald Trump had a big part of both. And that, I think, was Ron DeSantis needs to continue to hit home, especially like in forums and debates when more people are watching, is that I made the right decisions. You know, Trump hired Fauci. Now, no one to say, you know, there's this disingenuous thing people saying, especially the Trump cultists, which is that DeSantis didn't jump, jump down uh, Fauci's throat right away. Well, no. Why would he? The Republican president, Donald Trump, put this guy front and center, right? But then it only took people like Ron DeSantis a couple of months to realize the guy was incompetent. And he would say contradictory things all the time. And things he said were going to happen didn't. And so it only took a couple of months, someone like Ron DeSantis to say, wait a minute here. In fact, Ron DeSantis said it was June of 2020, right? Two months into the two or three months into this, when he all of a sudden saw the the um, the riots, right? The riots of 2020 and how the Democrats were all of a sudden after two or three months of saying, oh, we have to stay in. We can't go out. If you go out, you got to wear a mask. Don't don't six feet of distance. You can no crowds. No. Remember, the 2020 riots were a month before the 4th of July in 2020, and the 4th of July was canceled by every Democratic governor. Gavin Newsom, Cuomo, they all made fireworks illegal. No fireworks shows because they didn't want people going and gathering at the fireworks shows. So at the same time, they were saying, oh, no, if people want to riot, that's fine. That's when Ron DeSantis knew because he's a smart person with a brain, just like the rest of us. Many people at that point, their minds were opened to the whole thing is bullshit. 
Democrats care about the science when it's convenient. They believe in science when it's convenient. And that's when Ron DeSantis knew. He said, wait a minute, we're going the opposite way now. Why didn't Trump realize that? I don't remember Trump saying anything in June of 2020 saying, well, the whole thing, we now, we know, we now know the whole thing is bullshit. Fauci's bullshit. All these mandates are bullshit because look at the riots. They're allowing these people to gather for months, months with or without masks, yelling, spitting on each other. And that's okay. And they actually said, no, no, for this kind of a thing, it's okay. It's fine. Why didn't Trump realize what Ron DeSantis and millions of other people, mostly in the Republican Party, understood, which that the whole thing was garbage? Why didn't Trump come to that realization and at that point come out and say that and fire Fauci on the spot? So I don't think there's anything wrong with, look, I didn't like Fauci from day one, okay? But I'm not a politician. I'm not... Um, a lawmaker. I'm not an executive. Okay. But, but I don't see anything wrong with giving the guy that the president, especially the president of your party, puts front and center and says, okay, let's listen to this guy, give him a chance. I don't have any problem with that. But once, once you realize what he is, once he makes it clear what he is, then you have to be able to fire the guy. You have to be able to adjust and say, well, we gave you a shot, but you're uh, an incompetent. You're a hypocrite. And so Ron DeSantis discovered that very quickly, like many of us did. But Trump didn't. So DeSantis is going to have to really make that understood, that at the most important point of Trump's presidency, when something happened like COVID, he failed. Okay. When the going got tough, he failed. He failed. The first few years, it was smooth sailing, right? It was, you know, the economy was going pretty good and it was all smooth sailing and there weren't that many tough decisions to make. And then when it comes to when there was a really tough decision, when something really difficult happened, Trump dropped the ball. And most people would say that is what we need the president for, for those really rough times, right? When there's a 9-11 or a war or something like COVID, that's when you need the president to make the right decisions. And he made all the wrong decisions. Never mind what we've talked about on the show before. Even before that, he said he drained the swamp and he hired swamp creatures like Mnuchin, right? And the anti-war guy really had generals surrounding him like a like a dictator, right? So he made a lot of bad hires. All of his hires were fired or quit. <laughs> and he never drained the swamp. He never drained the swamp. So DeSantis needs to make this clear that there were no there was no draining of the swamp. There was no anti-establishment, you know, administration when it comes to Donald Trump, that he made all the wrong decisions. If you hate Fauci and you hate the damn vaccine, you kind of got to hate Donald Trump. Now, the cult will never admit to that. The cult will say, 
no, no, what are you going to do? It was tough. Uh, he did the best he could, blah, 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 blah. Of course, they would never say that about Gavin Newsom or about Joe Biden, right? But they say it about Donald Trump because they're in a cult. Those of us who aren't in cults can see all the horrible things Biden does. We can see all the horrible things Trump did because we're not in their cults. We don't care. I don't care, right? Uh, one way or other, I can say they did something right or I can say they did something wrong. I'm not in the cult of personality. I don't care about Joe Biden. I don't care about Donald Trump. I wish they'd both go away, in fact. I, the opposite of caring about them. I wish they'd leave. Um, but it's like if you're in the cult, you can't see that. You're like, you give an excuse, right? We give an excuse. We give excuses for people that we'd like. And we especially give excuses for our cult leaders will say, no, they didn't know any better. Like, like the Democrats do with the Biden and Afghanistan. Oh, we had to get out. And what are you going to do? No, you do it the right way. Well, you don't do it. You don't do it until you figure out how you're going to do it the right way. You don't make things worse, which he did. 13 people died. Uh, no one died under Trump. Give him credit for that. 13 people die like a few months into Biden's administration because he gets out the wrong way. And the people who we fought against for 20 years, who so many lives were lost trying to fight, they took over. Taliban came right back in, in a vacuum, right back in. So, but Democrats who are in the cult of Biden cannot admit that. They can't admit that even though they wanted to get out of Afghanistan, which all of us did, he did it the wrong way. There's a right way and a wrong way to do things. You don't just do it to do it. <laughs> so the cult can't see these things. They give excuses, right? They always come up with an excuse for their cult leader doing something wrong, doing something the rest of the world outside of the cult perceive as wrong. And so that DeSantis has to keep hammering this. They have to, he has to keep talking about this, that a, a true leader hires the right people and if people don't do the job that they're supposed to do, you fire them and you hire somebody else. It's pretty simple. It's like any business and Trump, Mr. Businessman. Remember how the Trump supporters said, oh, we need a business person to run this country. Well, you need someone who knows how to run a business, maybe. OK, but Trump wasn't even a good. We can argue whether a business person should run the country or not. Vivek Ramaswamy is a very successful business person. I don't think he should be running the country. But even so, he's at least a successful business person. But Donald Trump was not a successful business person. He went bankrupt several times. Why? Because just like when he was president, when it got tough, he made bad decisions and he hired the wrong people. It's the same thing. So yeah, want to argue that the country's a business? Maybe, maybe not, but at least be a successful business person, which Trump never, ever was. He was known to be a bad business person. He was known to squander money that his daddy gave him. He was known to not pay his bills. He was known to fuck people over. He was known to have bad relationships and many enemies. So even if you want to say, yeah, okay, a business person should run the country. It needs to be someone who's had success. And Trump never had success. So I think there's a long way to go with this whole campaign. And this Iowa thing, from what most people are saying, uh, 
was a very big success for, for Ron, for Ron DeSantis. I'll get to more clips in a bit. I'll cue them up, but let's go to Lance. Hey. Hey, man. Hey, what's up? Are you a current DJ at WABC? A DJ? Did you do work with WABC? It doesn't matter. Okay. What? Never mind. It doesn't matter. Okay. You know, objectively speaking, Rhonda Sanders is tanking because I think he's kind of He's trying to out Trump Trump. That ain't gonna happen. He he's 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 a little bit last year. Um What does that mean? Those are cliches. What is for, let, let's take your first cliche. Out Trump Trump. What do you mean by that? Culture wars. I don't know what you can you explain what you mean? Well, Ron DeSantis is fighting the culture wars, right? Yeah. I don't even see Trump doing that. I really don't. No, he's not. Which you should be. We should be fighting wokeness because wokeness is killing us. Of course, it's a big topic now. Wokeness. Look, you well, can see, like wokeness, but it is a huge issue. See, here's what I think you don't understand, Mike. And and again, this isn't like Trump's not running a campaign. Good. There's no real campaign. I don't I know what Trump believes in anymore. Exactly. Well, see, that's the whole point. And anyway, it's not about. Me trying to convince you that Trump or uh, DeSantis is good or bad, or Trump is good or bad, but you're DeSantis guy, so I, I'm just gonna maybe give you some pointers that you can go back to the DeSantis campaign, right? And okay, and this is what I mean. DeSantis ain't gonna out Trump, Trump, and the thing about Trump is that look. Donald Trump, he was running he was he would smoke pot, he doesn't drink, I know, okay, and he would be a hippie. Donald Trump don't give a fuck the American way. Now, Ron DeSantis, okay, is like a Harvard grad, typical like Ted Cruz and Tom Cotton. He's not a popular, now, Okay, let, let, let me say, let me tell you what I mean, Mike. Okay. Rand Paul, as much as I don't, I'm not, I'm not a Rand Paul fan. Rand Paul is the real deal. That's why Rand Paul, it's like, I care if you think he's a wacko. I don't care. I think it's half wacko and half spot on. What I'm saying is, When RFK Jr. sits in an interview, what you're getting is what Ron, what RFK believes. Or anyone else here, I'm not talking about this. What I'm saying is, Ron DeSantis, he's a Harvard grad, he's an Ivy League guy. He's not, he's not Donald Trump. Donald Trump couldn't get anywhere near Ivy League. Okay. Donald Trump. Thank you. So now you, so that's, that's a compliment. Is that a negative for Ron DeSantis? First of all, okay, so 
Donald Trump has charisma off the yin-yang. Steve can sit in a room and he, and, you know, Donald, he, don't, he don't just spout shit just out his asshole. Some of it is, but some of it is filtered through by pollsters. And it can be all easy. And what on it? I swear to God, give me what is doing. And they both have consultants. Ron DeSantis is trying to tweak things like in some AI. Oh, yeah, this one's cultural. And you know what Donald Trump does? He says, yeah, okay, thanks, guys. But then I'm going to do this anyway. That, that's why he was more successful in the last two years of his presidency than he was in the first two years. Trump, was because he Trump said, was successful in the last Trump. Year his last year of his presidency was COVID. It was disaster. No, Operation I know. Rescue. I'm not saying that. No, wait, wait, wait. Mike, Mike, Mike. What? I'm, please, please let me make this point. I'm not, I'm not giving what you an you opinion. What are you trying to make? You're talking in circles. Uh, I'm not giving circles. you Look, an opinion. You could be please. against DeSantis' politics. Please, Mike. Wait, no, 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 no. The guy doesn't no, give a distinct, no, no. Can direct I just say answer this, to every question. He gives no. a very forthright, honest answer. So no, I don't no, want no. you being disingenuous, Lance. No, no, no. You disagree no. with what he says. You disagree no. with his politics. Stop no. saying this crap that he, he's, he's trying to outdo Trump. Out Trump, he was last year's news. He's last year's clothes. What are you talking about? I'm Look, saying this. You want to, no, be honest. If you disagree with his politics, no. that's fine. But you no. can't say this is one of the most clearest, concise, smart, direct, honest politicians that we've seen run for president in a long time. No, okay, 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 okay. If you okay. don't admit that. Well, 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 it's not about me. It's not about what I have to admit. It's about where DeSantis is in the polls. Here's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. The polls don't matter a year and a half out. You know that. I know. What are you I know. talking my, my, about? My, my, we do my, this every four years. No, Lance, no, I'm, no, I'm muting you. I'm muting you. I'm muting you. <laughs> I'm muting you. You're muted. Because we do this every four years. We do this every four years. You're like a, a dumb baseball fan who in May of every year says, oh, my team's in last place. I'm not going to watch any more games. When you know it's six months and 162 fucking games, and every year people like all of a sudden they lose their fucking memory. They don't realize how long a baseball season is. Well, the same thing goes for running for president. It's a 15 to 18-month deal. Who cares where the polls are in July of 2023? before the first of 12 debates even happens. Who cares? Do you know Ron DeSantis was 12 points behind Gillum 12 days before the election? 12 days before the election, he was 12 points behind Gillum. Everyone said Ron DeSantis was a fucking loser who had no chance, and 12 days later, he's governor of Florida. So maybe Ron DeSantis outperforms the polls. Maybe we should use our fucking intelligence lance and say, well, when the guy ran for governor, every election he's had, he's outperformed the polls. And 12 days, not 15 fucking months, 12 days before the election in 2018, he was dead in the water and then he won. Maybe we can realize that polls over the last decade have been shit. Every election cycle, they're off by quite a lot to a shitload. And we see this every election cycle for the last fucking decade, and yet we still quote polls 15 fucking months out. We quote national polls in a state-by-state primary a year and a half away. This is disingenuous. This is anti-intellectual. This is dumb. Okay? This is dumb. 
We know from recent history that polls have been off. They've been off two weeks before the voting starts. And yet you want to talk about polls 15 months before voting starts? And we also know when we put on our, our thinking caps that the mainstream media puts the polls out they want to push a certain narrative. They want certain candidates to seem inevitable. We saw this in 2016 when Hillary Clinton was destroying Trump in polls. Up until the day of voting, everyone thought she was going to win in about five fucking seconds. And what happened? And yet we're talking about polls the year before the election when the polls 24 hours before the election has been off for the last 10 fucking years. It's insane. You want to talk about national polls that poll 500 people through a country of 330 million in a state-by-state primary that doesn't start until February of next year. This is not stuff I'm going to talk about here as though it's meaningful. What you're saying is Donald Trump is right that the elections are rigged, but the polls, oh, they're 100% accurate. So Trump doesn't have to campaign, doesn't have to debate, because the polls, unlike the election themselves, are 100% accurate. Yet, if he was losing in the polls, he would say they're rigged like the election. So we know what the Trump cult does. When they lose elections, they say they're rigged. When they're winning in polls, they say, oh, they're 100% on the level. When they're winning in fundraising, they say, money's everything. Look how much money I'm raising. And when they lose in fundraising, like Trump just lost two to one, okay? Two to one, Trump just lost in fundraising last week to Ron DeSantis. In quarter two, DeSantis raised twice as much money as Donald John Trump, okay? Now, all of a sudden, fundraising doesn't do anything. Fundraising is a bullshit number. This is a fucking Trump cult game. This is their game, okay? When they lose, they were fucked. When they're winning, oh, everything's fine. When they're winning the fundraising game, money matters. When they're losing the fundraising game, oh, money's a bullshit metric. I'm not playing this fucking game on this show. And if you want to disagree with Ron DeSantis' policies, then you come on the show and you say, policy A, he says this, I say this. Policy B, he says this, I say this. Not this He's trying to out these fucking cliches. He's trying to outdo Trump. He's yesterday's news. What? So COVID policy is yesterday's news? Maybe it'll be some other disease next year. Maybe some other major issue two years from now. How is his success in Florida last year's news? How does that make any fucking sense if you have a goddamn brain in your head? It's a fucking cliche. It's a cliche. If you have a policy issue disagreement, you tell me. I don't want to hear this garbage for the next year. I don't want to hear cliches. I don't want to hear cliches. And you say culture wars. That's another disingenuous statement. When someone says culture wars, what do you mean? Like men fucking hanging their fucking dicks in women's, in girls' locker rooms? That doesn't matter. If you, had a, if you had a daughter who's eight, do you want a fucking 12-year-old putting his dick in her face in a fucking locker room? Oh, that's a culture issue war. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Ask the eight-year-old girl. Ask the 16-year-old female swimmer if it matters. Ask the 16-year-old female swimmer who's put 10 years 
of fucking hard work into her craft only to get defeated by a guy who's 20 feet fucking taller than her. That's not a culture war issue. That's a real issue. Real people get hurt by these fucking whack job liberal policies. And Ron DeSantis has been fighting against those policies. While Donald Trump has his fucking dick in his hand. Daniel, how you doing? Can I calm you down, Mike? You always do. <laughs> no, no, no. That's actually not true. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's true. Sometimes you do. It's it's easy to to swat away uh, Lance's argument because his entire thesis was that DeSantis was trying to, I quote, uh, Trump, Trump. No, he's not. He's not trying to be a. Uh, <clears throat> he's, he's not trying to out Trump Trump. He's not trying to be an imitation Trump in any way. He is, he is, he is quite the opposite. Well, I shouldn't say the opposite. He is essentially on a, on a different plane. He's in a different dimension from Trump. And he, he is, as we've said before, he is and is, and is playing the big dog. And uh, Trump is the chihuahua that is just nipping around at his heels at this point. And, Santos is just going to, at some point, he's going to say, I've had enough of you, and he's going to swat him. And it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt Trump. Um, he's he And he's good at swatting uh, people like Trump away um, in the fashion that he did in the debate seat. That's, um, well, it's such a superficial thing aired. to say. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you. I'll let you talk, Daniel. But it's such a superficial thing to say that he's trying to out-Trump Trump. Now, if they agree on some issues, he's not trying to out-Trump Trump. He's just being honest. You don't disagree with someone you're running against just to so oh to say, oh, I disagree with that person. So there are issues that he agrees on and there are issues he disagrees with, right? So of course. on top of that, if you say his style is the same as Trump's, you gotta be a fucking moron. How do you say DeSantis's style in answering questions and talking is the same as Trump? He doesn't exactly. go after people, he doesn't call people names. He exactly. doesn't call people nicknames. He doesn't fucking bully people. He just talks about the issues, and he rarely even mentions his opponents. So how do yeah. you say he's trying to out-Trump Trump? No one, no one can out-Trump Trump, because Trump, Trump has his own special wacko style that no one else could ever match, and no one else has ever matched, and no one else would really want to ever match. Of course, and that's why Lance is pitching this absurd idea that he's trying to out Trump Trump because no one can ever out Trump Trump because Trump's Trump. Um, it, it's you know it's 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 a tautology. I mean it's and, and but it's this, it's a stupid place to start because he's not trying to out Trump Trump. Well, it's, it's, he's, it's, he's a, working it's a in a different space, a different dimension yeah. from Trump, a, a, a dimension in which um, he is talking about issues and policies that real people care about in this country. Um, and, and Trump doesn't do that. Trump's all about uh, blowing Trump up and blowing up the Trump cult. And, 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 you know, that's how, that's how he wins. That's how he has won in the past. Um, it's a totally, totally different game. And DeSantis is playing this game with tremendous integrity. Um, we have never seen integrity like this before. Exactly. That's what bothers me. It's disingenuous. If you want to disagree with his issues, that if you, if you disagree with the fabric of what he says, okay, if you disagree with the, with the actual substance of what he says, then tell me 
what you disagree with. In other words, when he says something like, I'm going to kill the cartel people, come in, you go, no, that's not good. I'm a liberal. I, I don't believe in killing people. Let in the cartel people. Just, just arrest them and put them in jail for a couple of days. Fine. Then if that's your policy, you know, I don't want to build a wall. I don't think walls work. Don't build a wall. Okay. There you go. You have a policy disagreement. But when you come on here and you say cliches that you hear in the media, that you hear from the Trump cult, that he's trying to out Trump, Trump, that he's yesterday's news. These are all cliches. They don't mean anything. There's no substance to any of it. If there's something within you that you cannot support DeSantis, maybe you can support a guy who was in Iraq. Maybe you don't want to support a Republican. Then be honest about it. But don't come on here and say these cliches that make no sense. What are the policy issues that you disagree with? Would it, and if he's too direct in his style, tell me why you are against that direct style when it comes to answering questions. Don't come on here and give me these cliches that don't mean anything that you heard in spread through social media. It doesn't make any sense. Well, they're not even cliches. They're, they're, it's, it's, it's a premise that he wants to, to, to push and he wants you to accept, but it's absurd. Um, he, he's not trying to Trump Trump. He's like I said, he's in a totally different dimension. Um, he's in a dimension like RFK. We've got two potential candidates here for president who have more integrity than the last 20 that we have seen um, come across um, our political landscape that is with respect to the president's office. <laughs> I mean, over the last, the last 20, over the last 80 years, you can put all their integrity together and they barely add up to, to, to what RFK and DeSantis bring to the table. Trump, integrity has never been a word used with Trump's name. But I want to make this clear. A lot of other shows and the ones you see on television may want to talk about personality issues. Who eats, who eats pudding? Who eats pudding this way? Who eats fucking pizza this way? Who cuts the pizza? Who eats the pudding with their finger? Fine. Call the fucking shows from this point on because we have a long fucking way to go in this thing, which is why the polls are like mean shit now. From this point on, let me make it clear. If you disagree with a candidate like RFK Jr. or Trump or DeSantis, it has to be based on the issue and policies. And I want you to name the policy you disagree with and tell me what you would do. Fine. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make this about substance. We're not going to make it about a cult of personality like Biden cult. We're not going to make it a cult of personality like the whacked out Trump cult. We're going to talk about the issues. Okay. Period. Sounds too reasonable, Mike. It is too reasonable. Maybe, maybe it's too difficult for people. You know, maybe it's too difficult. Or maybe people don't want to admit that they agree with most of it. Maybe it's just, oh, it's so difficult to disagree with a guy like Ron to agree with him. It's so difficult to, to admit he's right on every fucking thing he says. It's too difficult to do that for some people. Maybe you don't like the guy's personality. Maybe you can't vote for a guy with a big R next to his name. But fine, then come on and be honest and say that. You're a lifelong Democrat and you'll never vote for a fucking Republican no matter what. Come on and say that. I think that's myopic and stupid, but fine. You have every right to always vote for a Democrat your entire fucking miserable life if you want. That's your right. But don't come on here and talk bullshit. 
Yeah. Um, like I said, I've t- talked about DeSantis before. One of the things I've noted about him in the past is that he is someone that could really think on his feet. I mean, we don't see many politicians that can think on his feet. And part of that is because he just comes prepared, comes so well prepared to um, to everything, everything he shows up with to, to whether it's a press uh, uh, conference, um, whether it's a debate, um, whether it's an interview with the media. The guy is always prepared and, and thinks deeply about the, the issues that he's talking talking about. Um, I, I mean, I just, I just really, I'm good. I, although I am um, impressed by RFK's integrity, so am I. Um, I'm going to have a hard time. Uh, I would have a very hard time, like I've said before, ever voting for a Democrat again, for reasons that we've discussed. Um, but nevertheless, I will, I will give RFK the, the, um, the, the props that he, that he should have for, for the uh, integrity. Well, yeah, look, we know the problem with RFK is that he's not going to win that primary because they're not going to give him a legitimate shot to win the primary. Then just not going to give him a legitimate yeah. shot to win that Biden, primary. Biden's ain't, Biden ain't going to make it. So who, who who's going to be the? Uh, nominee? Well, we know we know they have Newsom ready to go. We know that's why Newsom's gone on these tours. Okay, a, a governor doesn't usually go on tours of twenty states. They don't usually do that. Okay, unless they're running for an office that's outside the purview of their state. So we know that. So we know Newsom. He's not a definite. He's a in case. He's there in case. Okay, he's their backup. If anything should happen to Biden, natural or forced, he's in. God forbid. Well, he's he's going to run. I mean, DeSantis will have to beat him, you know, but that's and and he and he will handedly. um, Well, that's the frightening part of this is that I mean, mean, the, 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 the whole the whole. The whole presidential the, the debate. If it was, if it was, there was debates between uh, DeSantis and, and Newsom, um, uh, and the media coverage. Everything you would see after those two primaries would all be about California versus Florida, and it would all be about what happened in the last three years in California versus California versus Florida. And the more and more Californians and and, and Americans of, of all from all states become. Uh, aware of what has happened to them and the consequences of what has happened over yes. the last three years. Yes. They're going to turn more and more and more to, toward DeSantis. So and if you want to talk about fake culture wars, you have to look at Gavin Newsom. Gavin yeah. Newsom is the one who always brings up fake culture wars That's because he, he knows his record in California can't stand against against DeSantis's record in Florida. So he knows that. So he brings up fake culture wars that don't exist like you can't say gay in schools like they're burning books he's the one who talks about fake culture wars ron DeSantis is talking about the real stuff real stuff that's happening men taking over women's sports that's like a real incursion that's like really happening okay that's really happening teaching children who are eight nine years old about race and and being racist and and gender stuff that's really being pushed in schools now he's not make i wish ron DeSantis were making that up but he's not because we have parents who are going to school boards and screaming because this stuff is being shoved down their children's throat these are real things that are happening in the culture, in our society. Newsom is the one who makes up fake shit because he can't talk about the real stuff. He can't talk about his actual record because he loses. Has Newsom ever said a damn thing about central bank um, uh, digital currency? I don't think he's ever said a damn thing. And, and I am like you. I am. And every American should be very frightened of that.
Yeah. Now, if you also have the opinion that Trump's cult is so strong that it's going to be tough for Ron DeSantis to break through, I'll disagree with you. But I understand where you're coming from. But that should actually bother you. It shouldn't be something you shouldn't be happy that DeSantis is suffering because of Trump's nut job cult. But if you want to say that there aren't enough Republican voters who aren't in Trump's cult to to give DeSantis to win, we can talk about that. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think DeSantis' style, I think his intelligence, I think a long game he's playing is going to is going to win. And plus, plus, even Trump supporters are afraid of that next thing happening, right? The next indictment, that third indictment, maybe that first conviction, maybe that he's going to have to be tied up in courts during all the primaries and he's not going to be able to campaign at all. That is a fear of, of many Trump supporters. And it's, it's a real fear. So there's so many, unknown, let's put it this way, with both the two perceived, and I say perceived because perception isn't necessarily total reality. The two perceived frontrunners Biden and Trump, there's so much that can happen with each of them physically, personally at their age, and also other stuff around them that we don't know what's going to happen there, right? Of course we don't, especially when it comes to Biden, his, his um, uh, comparing Trump's uh, cognitive state to, to Biden's cognitive state is, is night and day comparison. Um, yeah, Biden can easily go tits up um, within the next few months. Um, it, it's um, it's amazing that anyone would put any effort in uh, to a candidate, a Biden candidacy, candidacy at all. Because how do you sell a candidacy um, to the American public when the American public has no confidence whatsoever that the candidate would make it through even one year, let alone four? How do you sell that? No one has ever tried to sell that presidential campaign before, ever. Yeah. I, I, I know. <laughs> there are just too many intangibles with both Biden and Trump that uh -huh. their age is part of that. And also it, there's a stuff around that has nothing to do with their age. You know, whether the Democrats are afraid that Biden can win again. OK, whether there are enough Democrats who are afraid of a president, Kamala Harris, with Trump, of course, it's all the indictments and being tied up in court and possibly being convicted and possibly even like the possibility is actually there, man, that he can be in a jail cell before the election. So this I don't is think stuff, any of that's going to happen. But, no, but this is stuff and, that's, you know, if he's convicted on that Mar-a-Lago document thing, man, that's jail time. It is. Everyone I, I, says that's jail time. I don't think I don't think Trump's going to jail. I think that this is only going to actually this this um, persecution of, of him is is only going to strengthen him. But he's he's not going to any, be anywhere near as good a candidate as DeSantis, despite all of that. And he's too old, just like Biden. Even though he's cognitively uh, uh, far better off than Biden is, he, he's too old. He, he's you shouldn't know, you should no more expect Trump to to make it through the next four years five years, you should say, then you should Biden make him through the next five years. It's right. neither one of them. Uh, Biden is far worse off, but Trump, yeah, he is just as problematic. And look, it's obvious that DeSantis is going to ratchet up. I wouldn't say the attacks on Trump, but just to be much more 
you know, strident when it comes to pointing out Trump's deficiencies. There's nothing wrong with that. I think he should. If I were part of his campaign strategy, I would encourage him to do that. Um, because pe- because Republicans especially like alpha Democrats don't like alpha men, which is why Biden's there. But they, the Demo- Republicans are more apt to want alpha men. Um, so I think if he goes after Trump more directly, doesn't got to be a child about it the way Trump does. Doesn't have to call him nicknames, but just to more directly talk about his his failed policies and you know things like he's talking about all the things he wants to do. Well, he had four years to do it. So talk about that. You know, there's a lot to go after with Trump. Um, and I think DeSantis is going to ratchet that up. I think his strategy was people need to know more about me, who I am and what I believe in before I start doing that. Because you know what the people would say, Daniel. OK, you're going after Trump. But what about you? Right. That's what people would say. If he came out of the gates going after Trump, the way Trump goes after him, people would say, oh, great, you're going after Trump. And what about you? Why, why should we like you? So I think his strategy, because this is a marathon, is to come out, talk about policies, talk about himself, talk about his own successes, and then slowly but surely pivot and go after Trump. And of course, the schmucks in the media who want Trump to win will frame it as, and they already have, as, oh, he must pivot, he must, he must pivot because he's losing. He's losing. He's pivoting because he's losing. No, he's not. It's part of a long-term, and I'll read about that in a second. It's part of a long-term strategy. Come out of the gate. Talk about yourself. Introduce yourself to people outside of Florida who don't know you, who don't follow politics the way you and I do. And then, eventually, you can more directly go after Donald Trump. And that's what he's going to do. Yeah. Um, the DeSantis-Trump dynamic is a lot like my um, grandfather and grandmother's dynamic. My 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 grandmother would pick and, and critique and be critical of my grandfather. It was constantly throughout the day, every single day. And my grandfather would just be silent about the whole thing uh, <laughs> and just really, you know, kind of uh, um, not, you know, not, not expressing any emotion about it whatsoever. And this would go on for a week. And, and, and this, 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 this whole dynamic repeated forever. But but she'd be picking on him for a week. And then he would say basically five, six words. And that would shut her up for like three or four days. And he they were just five or six perfectly placed words that would convey so much meaning. Uh, and, and she would be silent for three or four days, you know, and, and then she'd start over again. And then the same dynamic. And then he, he would say five or six words and she'd be quiet again. It was it, 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 was, it just reminds me so much of this, you know, Trump, you know, just being Trump and, and you know, being so hypercritical and just being an a-hole. And, and then every, you know, DeSantis is just floating above it all. And then every once in a while, he delivers a few remarks that yeah. um, just shut the guy up. Right. You know, so and once again, you know, we're going to do something on this show called You're, You Come On Once a Show. OK, so Lance, you were on already. Whether I put you on for two minutes, five minutes, or six hours, you're on once a show. All right? I, you know what? And I worked at WABC. I don't know what the hell you were talking about where I was a DJ. It's a talk radio station. There's no DJs. But yes, I worked at WABC. And the person I worked for, named Bob Grant, who had a five-day-a-week talk show, just like I do, would only allow people on once per week. And for some uh, he was like a, he was a genius, this man. If you called Monday at three and then Friday at five, he'd remember that you called Monday at three. I don't know how he did that, but he did. And he would have, of course, you know, you know, 40, 50 calls a show. So I don't know how he figured that out, but that was his rule. It was once a week. 
I think once a day is not unfair. Daniel, do you think once a day, once per show is unfair? I I, th- I think you listen to me way too way too much, Mike. As it is, <laughs> well, I mean that's five. That means you can come on five times a week. I think that's pretty fair, don't you think that's fair? I, I, yeah, I, I I think I'm on three or four times a week. Um, right, and you could come on every show. There are some times you just decide to be very quiet and just yeah. listen to me rant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some, some, sometimes people are talking. They're they're, they're you know they're, they're just and I just I just want to listen. You know. Um, yeah, just, Andrew just trolls the chat. He doesn't really talk much. <laughs> That's okay. You can do that too if you want. But the thing, and I, I'll respond a little bit, Lance. You're saying in the in the chat, you're saying the same crap meaningless crap you said in the five minutes you were on here, which is that DeSantis is Ivy League and Trump is from Queens. What the fuck does that mean? Who cares? I don't care that Trump is from Queens with a Wharton education and DeSantis is from... If I if I like Trump, I would like Trump. I don't care that he went to Wharton and DeSantis was Ivy League. Who cares? And what are you saying? That an Ivy League candidate can't beat a fucking brawler from Queens, who's 500 pounds and 80 years old and doesn't want a campaign. I'll disagree with you on that. I'll disagree with you on that. I think DeSantis is a great mix of street smarts and book smarts. He's got the book smarts, yet he's also got the street smarts, okay? He's got the book smarts, yet he was also hanging out in fucking Guantanamo Bay, getting some street smarts. So I'll say he's got the best of both worlds. And I think the most balanced people in this world have a balance of both book smarts and street smarts. There are people with tons of street cred who have no fucking book smarts and they're worthless. And there are people with tons of book smarts who have no real street cred or common sense and they're probably even more worthless. And so then there's, I, yeah, go ahead. And then there's Kamala Harris. Yeah. Who's got neither. <laughs> no, but well, Kamala is a disaster. Yeah, I mean, that's a total disaster. Once again, you can go to a school. Come on. Are we talking about universities in this day and age because you have a degree it means you know something come on stop like, it like 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 trump got into wharton wharton on his own merits anyway desantis got everywhere he he has been in his life on his own merits well, of course i mean trump had the pull where the money the father the famous yeah. connections of course that that helps you know desantis didn't but once again this is all still okay this is kind of personality stuff it's resume stuff but if desantis didn't do what he did over the last three years. If he didn't, if I didn't agree with him on all these issues, I would not care about this great resume. Okay. But it's what the guy says now that matters to me, what he has done recently that matters to me. I don't care about where he's from or his degrees. Okay. I wouldn't use that in his favor or against him. If everything he was saying didn't make sense. If he talked like Kamala, if he governed like Biden, it wouldn't matter his background. So once again, I want to make this campaign on this little show real. I want to make it about real issues, about what the candidates are saying they will do and the things they have accomplished in the past. That's what I want to talk about, their past accomplishments and what they're saying they will do with this future office of president of the United States. That is what matters. Am I making too much sense, Daniel? Um, I was just looking at uh, some of Lance's ranting in, in the uh, chat section here. Um, if you want to talk about um, not making sense, yeah, okay. Lance, um, you, you aren't, you aren't uh, making uh, any friends or making your point by saying, fuck, you might give me 20 seconds. 
Um, fuck you, Mike, followed by give me anything isn't going to get you anywhere. But I'm signing off for the, for, for the night. Oh, that's it. That you're, you're leaving on that note? It was very yeah. anticlimactic, but that's okay. Yeah, Thanks, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not doing a George Costanza and going on. No, don't do a George Costanza. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm going to get to Bill in one second. I do want to play a clip because actually Daniel introduced it, not knowing it. This is DeSantis on the Florida, California comparison. Go back and forth because as an incumbent president, unless he's willing to step aside, I don't think they can get him out of there. On the other hand, I'm fully prepared uh, to have a Florida-California showdown and let the people choose what's the better vision for the United States of America because I'm very confident that the freedom in Florida is what more people would choose rather than the public defecation on the streets of San Francisco. Governor Ron DeSantis, thank you very much. Thank you. God bless. I guess that was the end of the forum. But yeah, there you go. So he's, he's ready to have that discussion whether it's with Donald Trump or Joe Biden or directly with, with Gavin Newsom. Oh God, Bill, how's it going? Bill, I like, I like this photo. The one you have now, this one. I like this one better. Can you hear me? Yeah, I do. I like it. There's something about it. It looks, it just looks regal, powerful. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had in mind, I was pissed off at the state attorney when I took that photo for, screwing me while I was being thanked by the attorney general of New York for assisting her investigation, you know, to protect children. You know what I mean? So I took that photo with that in mind and that's how it came out. I don't know. Anyway. Sorry. It's good. Let me tell you, Mike, let me tell you, Mike, you get no respect, Mike. You get no respect. I tell you, I get no respect. Let me tell you, I try. I really try. You know, I got into a cab. I asked the cabbie to take me to where this good time happened. He took me to my house. <laughs> I love that. So good. <laughs> you do a you do a good danger field. You do, you well, and you have to do that thing where you pretend to play with your tie, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that was like a brilliant thing he did, like yeah. that the thing with the tie around his neck. I thought that was great. I mean, that's just like I don't know where he learn to do that but it was just so brilliant oh yeah he bulges eyes you know yeah exactly exactly <laughs> he was fun. oh my you god know, wasn't that when comedy was like funny you know what i mean yeah. it didn't have to be raunchy or dirty oh yeah it was a, it was a different time it really was yeah. a totally different time and then came well i don't want to badmouth him i think he's actually you know, some of these people who at, at, you perceive as vulgar on the surface, if you listen to them, they can actually be pretty funny in the way they yeah. use vulgar. Like, remember Andrew Dice Clay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was incredibly vulgar, you know, yeah. X-rated almost, but he was really good. In other words, that whole personality that he created, that persona was unique. Oh, it was. It was. You had you to know, so there's a, even the vulgar ones can be pretty funny. Let me ask you. I'm using a different phone. Is the sound? Can you hear me? Okay. Sounds Is, perfect. No, it sounds okay. perfect. Yeah. On the check. I got a quick funny story about Andrew Dice Clay. I used to be president of a fraternity at URI. It was a bunch of guys who were football players and wrestlers who 
we were there because the food was really good and we could eat as much as we wanted. So, and the rest of the guys there were a bunch of haphazard, you know, motley crew. Anyway, so these guys said to me, Hey, there was a, uh, all the fraternity sororities at the gym at URI had like a talent night. And these guys say, we're going to sing Andrew Dice Clay. And I'm like, I don't know anything about him, but go ahead. You know, so if you can imagine all these sorority sisters sitting around and all these preppy friggin', you know, fraternity brothers and the group I'm with starts singing an Andrew Dice Clay thing or doing one of his, you know, I don't know. It was, I'm like, holy shit. That made the school newspaper. (laughs) You know, I got a call from somebody from the alumni affairs. They wanted me to come in and talk to them about it. It was freaking a big scandal, you know. (laughs) One of the guys who led it was one of our ballplayers. What was his name again? He became a New York detective. Uh, He shot himself and killed himself. Uh, Sad story. Maybe I can't remember his name because I shouldn't give it, but. Oh, Cap. I'm going to call him Cap because I won't give his whole name. But anyway, he's one of those guys. I think he had some CTE or something. Yeah. Yeah. So he killed himself, you know. But do you think um, it's fair to say if you're going to talk about any of the kids running for office and with you should talk about like what they say, what their substance is, what their policies are. Does that make sense? Some reason that doesn't make sense to Americans. They want to talk about personality they want to talk about how someone looks they want to talk about their you know their 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 education where they're from i mean it's like what what are you saying about the issues that matter to people you know men in sports women's sports transgenders and women's you're for it you're not you're for it or you're not for it which one which one of the two the the border you want to build a wall you don't want to build a wall the cartels you want to you want to fight fire with fire and you want to kill them or do you want to just let them continue to, you know, send fentanyl in and try to find a different way to round them up? What do you what are the policy? I think it's a, it's amazing that I have to even say this, that I think that like the policies, the words that come out of their mouths when it comes to what they're going to do in office is what really matters. And if you have a differing point of view, if you think, well, no, I think this is a bad policy because of ABC. You know, I think this is a good policy because of ABC. Is that too boring for most people? Well, you know, I I think there are a lot of people who care about issues. I think, um, unfortunately, the, the mainstream media uh, turns it into a personality contest to, to take away from issues because they're all part of the uh, con- you know, I call it the blue pill, you know, matrix control grid versus the red pill, you know, see through everything. And so they make it that, uh, that, and, and I don't believe like, like, for example, when, when you look at the bivalent uh, vaccine uptake is like 16%. Yeah. So there's probably a lot more people who nowadays, especially after what we've been through, think that RFK Jr. is right on about vaccines because mm-hmm. clearly there's not a good uptake. In fact, most of the uptake is in senior care facilities where they're kind of required to take it. You now, know? We, we talk about substance, so we yes. talk about this. You, so the media often, obviously, we know this is a shock, lies or exaggerates right. or uses yeah. hyperbole or whatever it may be or generalizes. They like to generalize because then you could take out one 
little element and say, oh, this is true, even though the rest of it is not true. But the media generalized with uh, RFK Jr. on Fox and Friends yesterday morning, Friday morning. And um, they asked him about the anti-vax label that's put on him. And he simply said, I am not anti-vaccine. That's something the media has tried to pin on me to try to hurt me. He said, I am for the proper trials, the proper research, the things that we do for all other drugs that go into our bodies that they do not do. It's just a fact. And we saw it with the COVID vaccine, with Trump's Operation Warp Speed. It went, they, they usurped all of those things that we do with all other drugs, including like aspirins that we put into our body. He just wants the proper trials done. He wants the proper procedure done. He is not against the vaccines. He's not the idea of putting vaccines in our systems once they've gone through all of the protocols that we go through for every other kind of drug. So that is where RFK Jr. stands on vaccines. Will the media cover that? Of course not. No. No, that because they're, they're always spinning it who, who owns them, you know. By Pfizer, you know, sponsored by Pfizer. So it's propaganda. And that's unfortunate uh, that a lot of people, that's what they consume. And it's well proven that people are, their political beliefs and their beliefs about the world are based on the media they consume. And the media knows that. So so this is true. Whether they whether it's about that or the Ukraine war or, uh, you know, uh, Pick any uh, any policy, and uh, it's unfortunate. It's really sad. But um, uh, but the good thing about DeSantis and uh, RFK Jr. is they are talking about issues that I think a lot of Americans do really care about, and are becoming more and more educated about thanks to the Jimmy Dores of the world and uh, the Joe Rogans of the world, you know, and even the. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Russell Brand. You know, Russell Brand is up to like 6.5 million now. I remember when he was at 2 million followers. He's up to 6.5. He's catching up to Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It really is. And he, he, I think, has got a good perspective on things. You know, he, he goes out and he calls things out the way he sees them. And, uh, you know, he had Vindava uh, Shivan, the, the woman who talked about what happened to India regarding the farmers uh, when the Gates Foundation came in and steamrolled uh, the farmers. How many of them committed suicide? How many of them, you know, the, uh, how the, their production went down? You know, and, and it was all, you know, it was very interesting to listen to her. You know who I'm talking about? Vindava Shiva, uh, Russell Yeah, Brand. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, she talked about growing things back to nature. You know, the way where the soil is sustainable and the the crops uh, you know, rotation and all all the growing techniques that they were doing. That they, oh my God, that the factory farming uh, doesn't do, and it requires more and more inputs, more and more fertilizers. It denatures the soil, it sterilizes the soil. It, it, the soil just becomes a, a medium to hold the roots at some point. And it's, that just, that's destructive. That's what brought about the Dust Bowl, you know, here in America. And so, uh, anyway, uh, the one a segue, I think, I, I put in some 
information I, I, we talked about. Uh, Dr. David Martin, uh, you know, I would personally like to see, uh, and Mark Crispin Miller said this, he alluded to it, I'd like to see RFK go even further. Because if you look at Dr. David Martin and the patent analysis he's done and then testified to the American, European Union, uh, the fact that the cold virus was chimeric into coronavirus in 1967, gain of function. Well, you know, fact, and yeah. I think I mentioned the, that the emails now show that Fauci knew about gain of function, that gain of function was oh, yeah. happening, right? He Absolutely. knew it was occurring prior to the COVID-19. This is back in February okay. of, of 2020. Let me just, while you're on, Fauci wrote, since we're on the subject, I want to cover it before the show ends. Scientists in the Wuhan University have known to have been working on gain-of-function experiments associated with bat viruses adapting to human infection, according to an image of the document tweeted by the House Select Subcommittee on Coronavirus. The email reveals that Fauci knew of the Wuhan Institute of Virology's research into coronavirus that mirrored COVID-19 prior to his claim that there was no evidence that the virus was produced in the laboratory. Fauci also wrote that there were mutations in the virus that would be most unusual to have evolved naturally in the bats, and there was a suspicion that this mutation was intentionally inserted. So he lied. He lied in front of Congress, and he should go to jail for that and many other things. But RFK talks about um, a meeting he had with Fauci where he had asked Fauci for, in, you know, some proof of, you know, of a, uh, of the uh, trials and all the evidence they had that this vaccine was going to be effective and safe. And Fauci said, oh, yeah, yeah, we got them. I have them. Uh, I have them back in the NIH. I'll, I'll get them to you. And he never did. And then he admitted he never had them. The guy is just a liar. He lies. Oh, yeah, all the time. And, and that came out even during the HIV crisis, um, that it was actually the uh, AZT that was killing people. Um, and that uh, if they, a simple, uh, uh, what was it now? Selenium and magnesium, it's in the NIH library. Don't forget the NIH library, PubMed, is the open access medical journal. And if you go to selenium and magnesium and HIV, in that medical journal, those two minerals alone help prevent HIV from turning into full-blown AIDS. True story. Yes. But they're not, yes. yes, they're not yes. going to tell you that because... They can't patent those minerals. They being the pharmaceutical companies, so that that it's all about the money. It's all and so they push AZT, which is a poison, which is actually what's killing people. So then there's a movie uh, where they go down to Mexico. What's it? Who, what's the name of that movie again? Um, oh, I can't remember. Which the name one? Which one are you thinking about? Uh, where the AZT? It's about uh, people with AIDS, and they go down. Oh, to oh, the you mean the Club. Dallas Buyers Club? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. With Matthew McConaughey, right? You're right. right. So, you know, this is this is Fauci. He's he's a demon, and uh, and the thing that Dr. Dave Martin describes, uh, which I put in the live chat, is that it we need to talk about it as bioweapons, both right. the coronavirus and the gain and the gain of function process, and the uh, the uh, spike protein mRNA vaccine is a, he calls it straight out as a bioweapon. He said, if we start talking about it like that, it, what it is, who also said that? Dr. Peter McCullough early mm -hmm. on, mm -hmm. which is why, of course, Texas A&M Baylor gave him a restraining order not to use, uh, to, to not to use their name in association with him anymore, despite the having 
a thousand peer-reviewed papers. You know what I mean? I mean the guy's the most published. Right. You know, so they will dog anybody. They being the mainstream media because they're puppets for a cabal. Let's visit the cabal of which Pfizer is part of, World Health Organization, Gavi. You know, uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about all 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 the NGOs that uh, really uh, are creating this crisis. Uh, this pandemic and uh, uh, to gain control, this central bank digital currency that Daniel talked about. It's all about taking away our, everything we talked about, even regarding Sandy Hook. It's all about taking away individual rights, uh, rights of free speech, rights of, to bear arms, uh, rights to the sovereign of their own uh, of their own body, you know, what they put in it. And, and, and to control people, control it. That's what it's all about. It's all about uh, a new world order, you know, uh, which uh, Bush one talked about. If you start looking at things from the bigger picture and how the, it's all piecing together and how they're weaving, the webs are weaving to have that, even transhumanism and the trans movement. Oh, my God, you know, I want to comment on the trans movement. I put in the chat, this chest feeding thing that the CDC has approved of, where men taking hormones can lactate some type of whatever it is, but it's all drug induced. And, and for babies to suckle this, there's no long term study at all, at all, of what effect that's going to have on the children who 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 suckle this product. This is our CDC. It is evil and sick that is child abuse that is those are perverts i'm going to call trans people up what they are i don't give a shit what anybody thinks about me you're sick people stay out of women's bathrooms stay out of women's sports and go to a doctor and get your head on straight you are sick people that's my perspective and i'm going to stand by i don't care what anybody wants to challenge me anytime you know, I agree. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. I really Amen. am. You know, Amen. I am. You know, so uh, hey, do you want to? I want to just wrap things up here in a minute. I have to do a film. Right. Is, is there anything else you wanted to say, Phil? Before uh, you know what? Um, I, I see Andrew's commenting, but I'm just going to slide through, see if there's anything else to remind. Oh, Mark Crispin Miller. This guy, all he did as, as a professor at New York University in media and cultures is encourage his students to look at the both sides of every issue. Of course, that's what you do. Like James Tracy. In media <laughs> Wait a minute. That's the We used to teach students to do that. Now they're teaching them that if you don't agree with their point of view, they need to cancel you. Yes. 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 And what they did, yeah. they canceled Mark Crispin Miller for encouraging Can you believe this? I know. They did it to James Tracy, Florida Atlantic University, did the same thing regarding mm -hmm. the same book matter. And Mark Chris Miller, there were two videos with Jimmy Dore, and I put in, um, you know, links uh, that, through Mark Chris Miller's uh, substack. And, uh, you know, he went on to, he, he, he it's unbelievable. If you listen, did you listen? Did you hear him being interviewed by Jimmy Dore yet, Mike? Mark Crispin Miller? Uh, I haven't. I haven't. No. It was a long interview, really long, so it split up into two videos. I, I think you really appreciate it. It's shocking what he went I'll through. I'll check it out. But that's it. Are there any debate clubs anymore? Do they have debate clubs? Or is it just 
you have to agree with me, club. You, we agree with we, we all agree with each other, club. Is that what it comes down to now? And these people who are supposed to be the ones who see that, who who argue both sides, are like people like law students. It's it's scary to think some of these students in these classes and how close-minded they are and how they are not open to dissent to debate. And those are the kids who are going to be like lawyers and judges. That's frightening. Yeah, that's it is frightening. What's who's going to be in charge? I just want to make one more point. Mark Crispin Miller encourages students to look at both sides of 9-11, right? Of uh, when he's talking to Jimmy Dore, he's just describing the things that he would, uh, of course, uh, the, the, the mask issue, uh, the vaccine issue. Uh, and he, he even mentioned, he even mentioned Sandy Hook. He did as mm-hmm. media and culture. And so, and what he learned was they weaponized the whole mask issue. He learned that it come out through, you know, emails and what came of it, that a lot of his staff was pissed off at him for the other issues as well. I mean, what, what's wrong with people today? You, you don't, you can't do your own research. You can't do your own research or form an opinion. You can't challenge the, 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 uh, I don't know what to call it, uh, other than the totalitarian regime that they want to push down our throats, and uh, and everything they're trying to do, uh, the fascism. What that's this is a, this is warped, and uh, it, it, thank God for people like you who uh, appreciate you giving me a voice and allowing me to say all these things, and uh, and Jimmy Dore for hosting Mark Crispin Miller and he, allowing having him to say all those things, and uh, uh, along with all uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, and uh, and Glenn Beck, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, God, All right, Bill, God. I'm going to wrap things yeah. up in a minute. I want to do the film Thank review. You, Thanks. Have a great weekend, Bill. I appreciate Thanks, it. Bro. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just want to end this DeSantis thing for the week, saying Genera Peck, DeSantis' campaign manager, said, we're not built on sugar highs. We're built on muscle that remains, even amid the inevitable ups and downs that happen in the course of a campaign at its center at its center the campaign's in-house marketing team that had created an algorithmically message tested 14,000 ads and related variations on facebook and other social media platforms to curry supporters and convert them into donors and voters the operation displayed a level of sophistication that other campaigns currently aren't showing one independent republican digital guru told told the messenger so long haul, baby, long campaign. Um, okay, is John Williams ready here? John, are you ready to play me in? Okay, please. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. Always so succinct. Really. Incredible. Okay. So, uh, one film to review, but it's a biggie. It's uh, the summer movies are coming in full swing. This week we have Mission Impossible. Next week is Oppenheimer. So, do you like your fantasy or your reality? We have fantasy this week. Next Friday we'll have reality with Oppenheimer. But this is uh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. If you haven't had enough Mission Impossible... Too bad. There's more coming because this is part one. I think this is the seventh Mission Impossible. Some are referring to this as Mission Impossible 7. So, but it's, it's Dead Reckoning part one. I think part two is next year. 
Um, we know Tom Cruise is Ethan Hunt, and he has that IMF team, which is uh, you know kind of like a government created team that often goes against the government. They kind of like work for the government, but they're also kind of rogue operators, you know. So if you've watched Mission Impossible TV show or the first six films, you know what I'm talking about. And here there's a new dangerous weapon that he has to stop. Cruz has to stop from falling into the hands of the wrong people. And those wrong people could also include the U.S. government. So, you know, I like it. I like that because we have a little bit of deep state stuff going on here. We have a little bit of conspiracy theory stuff, a little bit of not trusting our own government, um, even though Tom Cruise is like this all-American actor. So I like Mission Impossible. I like that that whole idea of having this division that is kind of works for the government, but also, you know, sometimes they have to fight against the government. Uh, and here, Tom Cruise, we know he's Ethan Hunt, Henry Zerny is works for the government, Kittredge. He also is the leader of this IMF group. So there's Simon Pegg, there's Ving Rhames, there's the usual people. There's also old arch nemesis, Gabriel, played by Isai Morales. And they knew a woman named Grace, played by Haley Atwell, um, who will probably be in the next one, will definitely be in the next one as well. But there's a device, and we see it's basically... uh, something that can control the world, can control the universe. And obviously you don't want that getting in the hands of the wrong people. They call it the entity. It's just, it's just called the entity. And is it, is it, is it uh, uh, spiritual? Is it, uh, is it computer? The idea that it's kind of AI computer generated also playing into some of the fears we have now about AI. So there's some real stuff that enters this fantasy world of Mission Impossible, you know, obviously fictional world of Mission Impossible. So the interesting thing, there's also two keys. So there's one key and another key, and they, they fit into each other. You have to have two keys, and obviously most of the film is about trying to find the two keys and getting the possession of the two keys, which lock into each other. And that key will unlock this device, which I think we'll get into in the part two. But the great thing about this Mission Impossible, the series, and this and this one in particular, is that it does bring these world world things into this fantasy world, as Tom Cruise does that as well with his stunt work, right? Because we know some of it is uh, stuntmen, and some of it's Tom Cruise. And we all know, if you've seen the trailer, the major stunt that Cruise does in this film, where he has a bicycle at the top of a mountain, and he rides the bicycle full speed off the mountain, <laughs> opens up his parachute, the bicycle goes falling <laughs> to its demise, and Cruz lands inside this train <laughs> uh, <laughs> that he needs to land in with this parachute. So we know this has been promoted in the trailers for the last six months. Everyone's talked about this. I believe Cruz had to do that incredibly dangerous stunt five times. You would think with a stunt like that, they'd get it right in one take. But of course, it took them five takes. How they shot it, I don't know. If they gave Cruz the camera to hold, if they if they extended the if they if they attached it, if there was a cameraman that went off with him, I don't know. But we know this stunt is coming because it's been promoted for so long, and they really played up well in the film. Uh, uh, and Cruz is just incredible because this is like this is a stunt. If you've seen it, that I think stuntmen might be afraid to do. 
and he was an actor, and he did it five times. So it's kind of like that that uh, that blue collar element to Tom Cruise, where he's not afraid to do very dangerous things that could very well kill him. It could very well kill him, you know. And uh, it's an it's an amazing stunt. The film has so many great action sequences that really do keep you. It's a cliche to keep you on the edge of your seat, but they do. And the last segment involving a train, which is falling, there's been an explosion and it's falling off the tracks is just so well done that you feel like you're in that train. You feel like you're right there experiencing this as the train falls off its tracks uh, into, uh, you know, uh, thousands of feet down. And what's really amazing if you think about this is that Tom Cruise has done such a great job of bringing people back to the movies. I think this one-two punch we've had of Maverick and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is really helping bring people back during COVID. I remember when this was being shot, and I was upset because there was everyone, you know, the crew was wearing masks, and they all had to be vaccinated, and Tom Cruise was, was very kind of strident with that. And I disagree with that, but I understand where Cruz was coming from, which is like, if we don't follow these rules, we're not making movies. Now, part of me wants him, would have wanted him to wait another year or two. But if he had waited a year or two until he didn't have to do the vaccine or mask stuff anymore, how much would that have hurt cinema even more? There's no doubt that Tom Cruise's two movies, Maverick and this one, is helping cinema bring people back to the theaters. So we can all talk about the mask stuff and the vaccine stuff and uh, how, how strident Tom Cruise was with the crew following these rules. But if I look at it from his perspective of we have to save cinema, we have to make sure we continue to make movies, then maybe we can give him a pass. He certainly has made two great entertainments with uh, Maverick and this one. And uh, I, I highly recommend Mission Impossible. Like I say, really edge of your seat, fantastic action sequences, brilliantly photographed, directed by Chris McQuarrie, who also co-wrote it. And, uh, you know, Chris McQuarrie, first, I, I believe one of the first things, it might be the first thing he ever did was he, he wrote uh, The Usual Suspects. Uh, but uh, now he's been, he directs this film and it's fantastic, well-directed, incredibly well-paced action Almost three hours, never boring, flies by. I, I wholeheartedly recommend. Also, great chemistry between uh, Tom Cruise and his new new female lead, Haley Atwell. Another thing that's great about Tom Cruise is that he always has great chemistry with his female leads, right? And he's had so many of them, right? Dozens. And always great chemistry. So I recommend it. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Okay, I want to do – well, you want to play me out? John, you still here? Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, John. See you next Friday. Appreciate it. Okay, uh, I do want to do some house cleaning. I'm going housekeeping, not house cleaning, housekeeping. Uh, I'm, I'm going away for a few days next week, so there'll be no show Monday, Tuesday, and most likely Wednesday. You can look at the schedule. Monday, Tuesday, certainly. Most likely Wednesday as well. Definitely be shows Thursday and Friday of next week. So look on the schedule. I'm going to take a few days off. Uh, going to head down to uh, 
to Anaheim, Southern California, for some uh, fun and some baseball. So uh, that just check the schedule. But first few days next week, there won't be any show. Sorry. Try not to cry. Try not to cry. I'll be back. Definitely be back come Thursday of next week. And on Friday, we'll have the big review also of uh, Oppenheimer. Okay. It's been a great week of shows. The name of this show is And Let's Be Heard. It airs weekdays, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. Uh, And I'll see you. See you next week. All right. Have a great weekend. And until we meet again, this is Mike Kachabli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.